I'm Alex and welcome back to The Witter, the podcast that explores beauty and wellness through people's stories. Now before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you so much for all the feedback and support I've received after the first episode. It's been really amazing hearing back from you all and I hope you'll continue enjoying the podcast as it develops. So this week I interviewed Yogini Chetty, a colleague and writer, become a very good friend. Now, in the first part of our podcast, Yogini talked to us about identity and confidence, exploring its links to her personal expatriate experience, as well as tracing their relationship to her native Mauritius colonial past. And in the second part of our podcast, which starts with a brief yet passionate run about the eternal bane of shower planning, Yogini shared her beauty rituals. So without further ado, here's episode two of The Witter. Thanks for being here. Um, that sounds really insincere, but I promise it's sincere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll let I'll let Eugenie introduce herself. Um, hi, I'm Eugenie. I'm 32 years old. I feel like I'm on a dating app all over again. <laughs> what are my hobbies? Well, anyway, no, uh, I'm uh, from Mauritius. I moved to Paris four years ago now, mm-hmm. and. Uh, now I work, uh, we work together with Alex at the same publicity agency. I don't know. Publicity oh agency. Communications agency. agency. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why did you move to Paris four years ago? Um, well, the thing is my twin sister uh, has been in Paris for like 10 years and we are very close. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know every time she tries, she tried to convince me to move over here. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, with work and life in general, yeah. I, I really did not consider the possibility because it also required funds. Yeah. Um, but then at some point, I know I was 29 and, um, and uh, the company that I was in was closing down. Um, and then I had come to Paris for holidays to spend some time with my sister because I was stressed. I didn't know where I wanted to yeah. do and where I wanted to go. Uh, and then um, she kind of said, well, you know, it's 29, you, you're 29, so might as well, you know, move here. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, if you want to change your life drastically. If yeah. You want. So, yeah. So I went home, did, um, I actually checked out the master's degree because I wanted to come to study because I actually wanted to work in the digital field because, you know. Okay. What were you doing before? I was a PR uh, consultant at... Okay. Um, at a holding company which had a lot of different types of companies um so yeah i was doing pr Mm -hmm. and i kind of like what i did but i i also wanted to do something in the digital so i came to paris uh i started um a new master's degree Mm -hmm. and yeah and i graduated a year after and then i started working and that's where we met yes (laughs) So we actually met when I was interning at um, TBWA, the publicity agency <laughs> where we work. Uh, we were sitting on the same table and I was there for three months and then I went and worked somewhere else for a year and then I came back. So now we're colleagues again, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you moved, you've been here for three, four years now. Yeah, it's going to be four years in September. Okay. You want to stay? Yeah, of course. I think... A lot of people have asked me that question, especially uh, my friends back home. It's like the standard expat question. Yeah. It's like, do you want to stay? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, first of all, I have no regrets coming over here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't all easy, you know, because, you know, on social media, when you would look at 
my pictures or anyone's pictures, you would think like, okay, this is so easy. It's great. You, yeah. you, you know, the grass is greener elsewhere. But then um, I do know that when I came here, it was very difficult for me uh, to start with because, uh, because, you know, at 29, you're not like, you, you, you know what you want out of life and you've had this experience of forging your own identity and your own space back mm. home. So then you come here and then you have to start all over again, yeah. trying to make new friends. I mean, I didn't yeah. even know if I knew how to make new friends, if you want. And then there's all these cultural differences that you cannot fully identify with. You're still like in, in displacement, like you kind of yeah. hybrid because you, you can't you can't identify with people here, but you can't identify with people, people back home. home. Yeah. So, you know, you have to make your own space and you have to find yourself again. And I think that's really complicated, like especially at 29, because it's very scary, you know, it's just like, okay, Picking so, up and leaving. yeah, and then, you know, yeah. you, you don't want to pretend to be someone you're not at 29, you know, because mm. it's easy, I think, at 20, to, to mold yourself into what people expect of you, so, yeah, and at 29, you're just yourself. Did you have any preconceptions about the people, or? Um, well, obviously, I, 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 I thought people, like, really like to dress up in Paris, they want to be in, you know, um, like you, sh you should be very careful about what you wear and mm -hmm. uh, there's this running joke uh, back home where we say uh, you cannot take out the trash in, in like it's really it's literally something that we say <laughs> with my brother uh, you can't take the trash out in your joggings here in Paris you yeah know? Uh, that is true yeah <laughs> <laughs> I will put jeans on to take the rubbish out sometimes yeah. I would put makeup on to take the rubbish out yeah but, you know <laughs> oh my god um but then Maybe it's because I was 30 as well, you know, like I'm not, like, I know I won't go out to the shop without wearing my foundation on, but that does not mean I would do a wing liner to go to the shop, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I would do the minimum, uh, I would not go barefaced, but that's also me because, you know, I have my insecurities as a woman and because of, you know, my because I actually growing up I never had acne mm -hmm. and then at, at 25 like it just is like overnight it just came really yeah 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 I've never had acne growing up like at 16 I had like the smoothest skin ever yeah, yeah I had thin eyebrows but you know yeah <laughs> I had to choose my eyebrows. <laughs> um uh, but that must yeah. have been quite difficult just overnight that must have been hormonal or something right though. right because I have PCOS okay which is like the polycystic ovarian syndrome yeah um and i didn't know it because in mauritius you don't talk about these things like uh. i don't know i think like in mauritius people don't really dig deep into things like really yeah uh, the okay. thing is um we don't put words and this is something that i've been thinking a lot about because yeah. you know, I, I, I like to write right yeah uh, and i want to write a book and i already started and when thinking about my characters who we, who are based in Mauritius or are from Mauritius, you know, I'd like to I like to, to talk about the diasporan uh, experience, mm. but also about like people who've been born and raised back in Mauritius and then move away, yeah. you know, a bit of my story as well. Uh, but then I realized that, you know, in English and in French, or maybe you, you put words on a lot of things like feelings and, you know, how do you how do you feel this word does not exist? sentence does not exist in creole really yeah nobody would ask you how do you, you feel? feel yeah like, that's fascinating <laughs> it's true so but so if you i mean the word the verb feel must exist though no but it's like not used in that sense right well 
you know, our, our Creole is a French-based Creole. Yeah. So uh, most of the time, it would have to be the a French word. But so the French word for feel is ressentir, yeah. right? And no, that does not exist in yeah. Creole. And then, you know, in, in Creole, you would never say like, what, how do you feel? Because it's like, it wouldn't even come to mind. Like, let's say um, you, you just, I would say something happy. You just mm -hmm. graduated, you got your degree. People would be like, congratulations, uh, good job and everything. But nobody would say, how do you feel about yeah. it? You know? Um, or there's something sad happening. I don't know, your dog died or, or something more serious. And nobody would say, oh, how are you feeling? No, yeah. like you don't talk about feelings. Okay. Yeah. Is that like a, do you think that that's like a cultural generality then in that sense that you don't, I mean, that must have an impact on <clears throat> um, saying you're going through a tough time or like you're talking about like self-perception or, I mean, between girls and whatever, surely you talk about like what you're going through and no. all this kind of thing. Well, yes, but we would not do it in, um, I mean, we would do it more intuitively. Like we okay. would not go, because also maybe my understanding of these words because i've never had them. like i've never grown up using yeah. them it, we, it is for movies from now from people that i know now and how mm. we talk now but before it would be more intuitive that means that you know when, when you meet your friend and she's had like something hard like a breakup or something then you would mm -hmm. you would say so are you okay you would probably ask are you okay yeah. instead of how do you feel about it yeah you know which is like a yes no question right yeah and then the person decides to go in you know to talk more about it or not but yeah it's um and like i've i've realized even if we're talking about arguments and everything yeah like you things are very like we the, the creole language is rich but at the same time quite poor yeah uh when it comes to going more into depth mm -hmm. into feelings and emotions it's like something that we block completely okay you, people don't talk about their emotions they, they they don't they just don't um which you know that surprises me because i've always found that you're quite an empathic person you're able to understand the emotions of other people and you're quite in touch with yourself so how was that for you growing up in that environment did you were you always connected to your own sense of well-being, to how you felt? Or was it something because of the cultural context you also, you only discovered that once you left and you... Um, no, actually, I, I, I love reading. Mm. I have always loved reading. I loved reading when I was little. So uh, I think that the fact, I, I remember, I, used, I was eight or nine or ten, I used to read um, Sweet Valley Twins. Do you know it? No, what is oh it? Oh my God, you don't? What is There's it? This whole series about two twins. Sweet Valley Twins. Sweet Valley Twins. They come from California. Okay. Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield. Oh my God. No, what is this? <laughs> Who's it? Where's the writer from? American. Um, yeah, of course, she's American. And what's her name? Uh, it's what? It's for teenagers? Or? Yeah. And actually they have this Sweet whole Valley series okay. for like, um, um, they had Sweet Valley Twins. Mm-hmm. That experience a bit, you know, uh, 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 the life of teenage, not not even teenagers, like preteens, yeah. you know. And then you had Sweet Valley High, which was during that time. I never heard of that. Oh my god! And then you have Sweet Valley University. Oh my god! Yes, and it was a big thing, and I used to read all of these books. And this was so culturally different for me. Yeah. Like at ten, I I knew that okay after school I want to go hang out downtown. 
It yeah. was so American. Yeah. And I, at 12, I could say, oh, I can't say this. Like in my head, of course, I wouldn't talk about it. I would say, oh, I feel so self-conscious about this. Um, but these are notions that are so different and like um, from from my reality. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I used to read all of these books mm -hmm. and um, this kind of gave me an opening to like, without even realizing it, you yeah. know, to, 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 to how I process things and mm -hmm. how, I, how I see things things so tell me a little bit about this idea of worth of um of well-being what is well-being to you i think i would associate well-being um see I, I don't think of myself as a very um religious person you know i will explain why i'm saying this okay religion is very anchored uh, back home especially mm -hmm. in my culture because i'm a tamil mauritian mm -hmm. so it's like you know hindu is the umbrella term and then you have like sub-hindu cultures which is like tamil telugu hindu yeah so i'm tamil mm -hmm. and we are very my, my parents my dad is very religious okay uh, but he didn't impose anything on us i mean we were also very open-minded about the, about stuff yeah um but i've never been very religious but more spiritual okay you know like i do believe there's something greater that that bigger than us that's something good um and i do believe in like in like this divine thing but i can't mm -hmm. i can't really define it you know yeah um so in that sense for most of my life i know there's a there was a spiritual side to me but i've never been in touch with it because i've never consciously said okay you know what i'm gonna try and explore that facet of me because again we're not encouraged to do it back home because it's you know everything that's um that's not tangible it yeah doesn't exist okay so it's not encouraged yeah it's like you know you i would never talk i would never in mauritius going to a therapist mm -hmm. would be considered as well now of course things are changing but yeah. back then it would be considered as you know like okay you don't like i i don't i never thought about having a breakdown earlier mm -hmm. because i would say i didn't have the luxury of you know doing it yeah because you know you just have to get on your feet and just mm -hmm. do stuff you know mm -hmm. So yeah, so then now in Paris, uh, if you want, I'm more independent, so I get to make more of my choices, like yeah. choices that I want. On and off, I try to, uh, even if I can't physically, I say I will, you know, try yoga at some point, but mm -hmm. you, know, I, you know how I am with working out, I don't do anything, <laughs> just talk. Uh, but I've tried to like, I've downloaded some med meditation apps, mm. like try to connect to that part of me at, at some point. Mm. Uh, because I think it's important that you now I do understand that it's important that you listen to your body that yeah. you listen to you know what your body is saying like be more selfish take some yeah. time for yourself you don't have to think of everybody mm -hmm. even though it's it's not always easy you know yeah. um, but this feeling of well-being I think fundamentally it comes from self-confidence you know yeah. like this you feel you feel um worthy because you feel loved like you feel you have you, you have self-confidence you know you mm -hmm. don't you, you don't you're not in a, in a state of mind where you constantly have to prove yourself mm -hmm. which was which was also something that i experienced when i first came to paris because you know back in mauritius i i was used to being attractive yeah you know, it's it's not something as basic as saying, oh, she's a superficial person. She just yeah. wants to be found pretty all the time. No, it's nothing to do with that. It's just like this 
boost your you you know the, boost your self esteem when you know mm -hmm. that you know you you find yourself people find you pretty, and then you come to Paris and then you lose all your like bearings and yeah. your anchors mm -hmm. and you just have to think and then you think, okay, so back home I know I was turning heads mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's instant you know beauty and it's in, it's. Intricately it's the confidence linked. part of self-confidence and then there's the self part which is something much right harder. Yeah. right and then you come here and and then you're like okay i don't i don't know if i'm if you know i'm a, people find me nice or people yeah. find, like you start really doubting your qualities like do, do people really appreciate me do i am i really like what about okay? your relationship with yourself because i i completely get that um, in the sense that you're used to being one thing and you come here and and you try to f like redefine who you are but it's always through the eyes of the other and I think that that's something also that women in general mm. I mean a lot of the time we we base our self-worth on how other people see us mm -hmm. um, especially in the sense of beauty and self-confidence and actually self-confidence is often as you said self-confidence in initially um is that feeling of being loved but being loved is something it's passive you are being loved by someone else mm -hmm. you know it's not you actively loving yourself which mm -hmm. is technically what self-confidence is mm -hmm. right so <laughs> i know that you're smiling we're like going <laughs> deep on this one here. i know <laughs> but this is a tough subject it is um so how how has that changed or evolved for you how do you source your self-confidence, basically? Um, okay, this is getting really intense. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go there if you don't want to. No, I think I, I think I want to go there because there's something that I deny myself. Like every time I would try to go that, you know, prove that part in my head and I would be like, no, 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 you know, why are you not ready for this? Yeah. But this, the thing is, I think for a long time, for a very long time, I've... I've looked at my self-worth, you know, mm. from others' point of view. Yeah. I define, and this is what I feel like, you, I, I'm, and I think it's a lot of women feel like that as well. Oh, absolutely. It's like we have absolutely. this constant need to want to be validated. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. And even though I don't like to, I, I don't like to admit it because I want to mm. say, you know, I'm a strong, independent woman. Yeah. I, I know what I want. Yeah. And, I don't need anyone to make me feel good about myself. But mm. when I say, when when I say you know being loved, it's yeah. it's not even by one single person. It's just being generally, generally yeah. you know, it doesn't need to be like amoureuse, you know, like loving. Mm -hmm. It has to be. It could be having friends that look up to you and trust yeah. you and want to be with you, you know. Um, so, and all my life, my idea of self worth has been in like really intensely linked with people's opinions of me mm -hmm. and I'm trying to undo that mm -hmm. but it's still not an easy process it is fucking difficult I know you I feel like as women we have to unlearn a lot of things yeah. that we learn just in order to feel at peace with ourselves yeah like there comes a point where you're just like and I think a lot of expatriates go through this because you lose your bearings, you go somewhere else, you don't have any friends, mm. you have to start over. So in a sense, you find yourself in a position where no one, you don't know anyone, no one finds you nice or pretty or loves you because you're completely like a duck out of water. Mm. And that's when you say, okay, well, who am I? How do I feel about mm -hmm. myself? 
and I feel generally as women in society as well, I mean, Jesus, like, we have to make sure that the next generation doesn't have to unlearn things, you know? Yeah. I think there's a lot of societal pressure, and it's like you have this discourse of strong, independent women, Hmm. and then you also have um, make sure that you always look nice and that people appreciate you, and, like, when are you getting married? I know. Oh, my God. Tell me about this. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm I'm 32, I'm going to be 33 this year, Mm -hmm. and um, there's this whole pressure, especially back home because it's very cultural, of when you're getting married. And even though people think they're not being too pushy, but, you know, like, I'm considered too old back home Mm. now, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, j'ai dépassé (laughs) l'âge appropriate to get married, you know. but I think we, we do have a lot of pressure as women. It's like even when you're walking on the streets, like it's so easy um, for, 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 for people to judge you. I mean, we do it as well. Yeah. I'm not saying that we, you know, we don't do it. We do. But maybe it's us as well. I think yeah. we kind of impose on ourselves a, like a type of, I don't know. I think we're very hard on ourselves. Mm. Very demanding. We, because we, we've been taught to, I don't know, to do well in your career, in mm-hmm. life, in your love life, mm-hmm. you have to be the best at what you do. Yeah. At least that's what I think. And I think that's what you think as well. Yeah. Um, and then you become so, you know, you, you become such a perfectionist and then you get really hard on yourself. So how do you, I mean, exactly what you said, our, our lives are very hectic. And I feel like if you look at any woman's, not any woman's, but a lot of women's lives today, it's the same thing. Um, how do you relax? How do you, do you have any kind of rituals or things that you do? I mean, you mentioned that you have this spiritual side to yourself. Is that something that you tap into to de- deconnect or? I would mostly read. Yeah. Like, um, I would try to, um, I do it mostly in the, in the metro because I have such a long metro, right? Yeah. So then it actually gives me like another perspective. Like I actually like, uh, how do you, I don't know how to explain it. It's like your mind is not here. Like you don't have to actively think because you're in a in another situation and mm-hmm. you're in you're discovering these other things. It's like a voyeur sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's like very nice because it's so different from what you're living right now and you just completely disconnect and forget. Um, so I do this or I would just, I love long hot showers. I mean, I don't have a, t- a bathtub. Yeah. So that's one of my uh, plus grand regrets. My regret. <laughs> I will have one in the future. Yeah. Um, but like I take these long hot showers when I just talk to myself and, you know, redo the world and, yeah, you know, and then, you know, I, there's, there are things like, you know, your body listens to how you tune in and how, what you sing to it. And, and like, you know, remember things that you're grateful for, even mm. if sometimes I feel, okay, this just sounds easy, but, and it's never going to work. Sometimes I just try to go through that process, you know, just saying, okay, what am I grateful about? Yeah. You know, I'm grateful about my friends and people who love me. I'm grateful about my, my dad who recently wasn't feeling very well, mm-hmm. but he's so much better now, you know. I'm grateful that, you know, my life is going better. My I'm, I feel better. I'm in a better place. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. I think these little things are important. Like the gratefulness is definitely something. And I feel especially in the in the Western world, because often the spiritual aspect of things is not part of our daily life. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we associate spirituality as being entirely just 
religion and there's no other alternative. Right, right. Um, the, this whole idea of reflecting and introspection and self-reflection is, it's not taught to people uh, and it's something that, we, I mean, you, I personally discovered that myself later on. Mm-hmm. I think it's, this is relatively recent yeah that people you know disconnect these two and really believes in the power of spirituality and how mm. it's really good for your body and your mind um because uh we were like in history if you look at it you know we, we by the t- 2000s we were in a very uh individual mentality yeah. i mean this was like what especially with like american movies it was always you know like um like you know the, it's about the self yeah so and then you know as in when now with the advent of internet and like social media mm-hmm. we are so much more exposed to different parts of the world and different cultures mm-hmm. uh, i think we are evolving and we're still in this kind of transition where we're evolving and learning from different cultures and taking what we want and not you know and not taking whatever we don't want you know what i mean mm-hmm. so you're kind of like picking and choosing what's gonna uh, what's going to influence our lives tomorrow. Yeah. And we are, this is very unique because we are the, probably the, the first ones to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, over the whole course of history, because we have now the potential to actually pick and choose what sounds best for us. Yeah. So somehow we are kind of lucky, but yeah. also we don't have any manual. So we don't have any guidelines. Yeah. We're just doing it as, as we feel. Mm-hmm. And, and even though, I mean, you've grown up in Europe, right? You've been yeah. in the UK and everything. I've grown up in a remote part. It's not that remote, but still. It's like, we're in an island. So traveling, when I, growing up, traveling was a privilege. Like, we never had that um, going away for holidays. Yeah. That was, a, I'm sorry to say it like this, that was a white thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you just have shoes and you have a... Your lunchbox and you go to school, be grateful for that. And don't even think like what would, what would holidays would be going to our aunt's place, you know, and mm-hmm. like on the next street or like, but it won't be like going away on holidays. And I remember back in Mauritius, my dad was working as a, as a photographer at a five-star hotel. Yeah. And sometimes we would go with him and we would see all these white families and people traveling like tourists. Right. And yeah. we would say, we would think like being kids, we would say, oh my God, their lives are so much better than ours. Because, really? Yeah, because they can afford that, and and we're just like, there's this whole inferiority complex. That's a um, that's a, a direct um, consequence of mm. colonization. Yeah, that we do not talk enough about. Yeah, you know, uh, because we've been conditioned to like look up. Our, like if if you look at our syllabus today, yeah. back in Mauritius, mm-hmm. we grew up uh, reading a lot of uh, English literature, mm-hmm. French literature, and Creole was only very recently standardized as a language and started to and they've started to teach it in, in primary schools. Yeah, it's only been like what I don't know, less than ten years. Mm-hmm. So if you want. And, and English and French, they're both official languages. But people speak but Creole. But people speak Creole at home. Yeah. But then if you go to the bank, you are expected to speak in French mm-hmm. because that then, you know, it's more accepted. Yeah. Or you would be looked 
down upon maybe mm-hmm. not up like they wouldn't do it directly but you know there's something that they wouldn't take you seriously if yeah. you start speaking creole mm-hmm. uh and again when you you are in a work environment you will send your emails in english because mm-hmm. that's how it works administratively everything is done in english um is that even a word administratively i think so whatever i don't care we just made it up because <laughs> now <laughs> So what I'm saying is like um, there is this inferiority complex in Mauritius and me when I was growing up I was reading Sweet Valley Twins which is like a, a quintessential American um, yeah. lifestyle that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. They, they were going on dates, they were driving at 16, mm-hmm. they were going downtown to hang out at the ice cream parlor. I mean, what's it's an ice cream so like, parlor? Yeah. What's downtown? Yeah. But I was identifying myself with those people and there was this kind of like difference between reality and how I was growing up. Mm. So I never consciously, it never consciously got into this. I don't know how, but like it's you automatically know how to react and adjust. Like I think we are very resilient characters. Like people are very resilient, um, I don't know, animals. Yeah. Because we adapt so easily like you can say this is okay this is so hard i cannot do this but you adapt yeah you do and um even though i know there was like this in i remember growing up uh i was talking to one of my friends and mm-hmm. she said okay we were talking about what we want to do when we grew up and yeah. i was always the one who didn't know what they want to do i still don't know it you know <laughs> and then uh, she was like okay um i want to be a veterinary and mm-hmm. veterinarian a vet yeah well yeah that right yeah <laughs> a vet and uh and then she was like yeah and i'm gonna get married to a white guy and i'm gonna have such a nice life interesting and, yeah how did you react for me it was yeah sure that's how that's what i like like that's a definition of a nice life being with a white person because we have white mauritians as well in mauritius okay it because old colonizers right right it was okay. it, like generations of colonizers yeah. that's lived on mm-hmm. but and it's kind of like it's ironical because they owe um they all they make up only three percent of the population mm-hmm. but they own up to uh, i think 50 or 60 percent of the land wow up to today uh wow. and they don't really mingle when i say don't you see there's this dichotomy when i say they and and us yeah you know there's always been this dichotomy where you know they don't really mingle with the others so some people they may get like there, there is this complex mm. in any case uh and and uh, and like how for you personally how did that manifest even in how you felt growing up or even today, I mean, because we live in Paris, Mm. um, perhaps in your beauty standards or, I mean, did you feel that there was the idealized image of whiteness or? Mm. Well, I I think it was in my head. Mm -hmm. Like back home, that's how it was. And then I come to Paris and then I, like I said, I, I'm in a different state of mind where I don't really know how mm-hmm. I look and how people look at me and what they think about me. Mm-hmm. So you're always questioning yourself. You already have this sense of like, you know, you, you lose a bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. And then you look around and you see like these people, well, people, white people in yeah. general. I've always like, I've, I started straightening my hair since I was 11. Yeah. Because for me, it's, 
I have very curly hair mm -hmm. and uh, it's not beautiful enough. And it made me think about, I think who's, it was Chris who, Rock. Was that you who said it's not beautiful enough to yourself? Or was oh, that... that's what everyone says. That's what I saw in the media. That's why, mm. I mean, the hairdresser is always full with people trying to straighten their hair. Like it's always been a beauty ideal to have uh, straight hair. Okay. Uh, and it has to be rightly done. That means like, you know, so you have to be like, I am an expert at knowing when my hair would freeze out or, or mm -hmm. what I should or should not do. You know mm -hmm. it very well, right? Yes. As soon as there's a slight drizzle, I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. Yeah. Because I can afford my, like, your hair to go, my freezing. hair getting yeah. wet. Yeah. Because for me, I, I, like, I, I really closely link beauty with good hair. Have you seen the, I think it was Chris Rock who did a documentary for his daughter yeah. called Good Hair, Bad Hair. I have not. And it's actually her, her his daughter, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Chris Rock, but I'm not very sure now. Yeah. But uh, actually his daughter, who was like four or something, mm -hmm. she actually, uh, she has naturally like frizzy hair, you know? Mm -hmm. And then she said, dad, why don't I have good hair? And then so he went through all of this and... Mm. It's so interesting and it like like it resonated with me. Yeah. Because you know, you, you so much of your self worth is associated with how your hair looks, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I have straight hair, I already have I already feel half pretty. You okay. know? Straight hair is good hair for you. Straight hair is good hair. When I don't have straight hair, I am not um fully confident. Even today. Even today. Okay. Yeah. Even today, and I and I can't shake this feeling off. It's embedded. It's under my skin. Like mm -hmm. I haven't reached that point where I I know. And some of my friends are there who are like, are just like, you know what? I I just want to leave my hair as it is. I'm not gonna mm -hmm. straighten it anymore. No, I I can't. For me, I have my routine. I, I do my hair every. I use a steam pod now because mm -hmm. I've the famous steam the pod. famous steam pod. Yeah, which is a steam instead of like ceramic plates mm -hmm. on your hair, and uh, and it's really good. But it's like. Um, I have to have straight hair all the time. And when I'm, I know my hair are, is dirty or mm -hmm. it's, you know, I didn't get time to wash it and redo it. I would feel, I would not be hundred percent comfortable. Okay. Yeah. So hair, closely linked. Yeah. And then hairs, closely yeah. linked as well. Yeah. Because following my, um, I was diagnosed, diagnosed with PCOS. I think it was like three years ago when I first came to Paris. Okay three, three and a half years ago. Um, and uh, some of the of the um, side effects are, uh, and it depends from girl to girl, but yeah. it's mostly like a weight weight gain mm -hmm. or uh, like a croissance de, de pilosité. Yeah. Like you have more hairs mm -hmm. and you have, uh, you know, acne and everything. Mm -hmm. So I got, I didn't put on much weight, thank God, but I got like a, acne and then I got um, like my hair they, they grow so fast mm -hmm. and it's draining yeah. it's like physically tiring but mm -hmm. also mentally tiring it's like sometimes when I'm um, I know I have like um, I've, I haven't done my mustache or I haven't done my eyebrows I yeah. don't say okay but more the mustache and yeah you know and then I'm talking to someone and I would, in my head, I would say... They're staring at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would be fixated on that thing and I would mm -hmm. not be completely, like, like uh, at ease with it. Yeah. Like, with myself, I would not be comfortable until I've done it. Mm -hmm. So, you see, like, this whole notion... Finally, like, you want to match a set of 
rules that you impose on yourself because you say, okay, these are the rules. I have this checklist. Yeah. If I check all of it, mm -hmm. then I feel pretty enough. Okay. Like, and then I, sometimes I would like to ask myself that why, mm. but you know, I cannot, I cannot extract myself from this type of thinking because it's, that's how it is. No one questions it because it just is like that, you know? Yeah. Like, no one questions the amount of time that we spend. Like, I spend three times longer in the shower than my boyfriend does because I have to wash my hair. He doesn't have any hair. <laughs> I have to I have to shave. He obviously doesn't shave. Um, if I'm, like, doing a scrub or doing a whatever, and, and then there's, like, the kind of shower where you wash your body, there's the kind of shower where you shave, and there's the kind of shower where you wash your hair, yeah. and you shave, and you wash your body, yeah. and there are different time allocations, and you have to plan out your week around the type of shower yes. that you're going to take. Yes. Um, it's like, I was thinking, um, you know, if I'm going to go on a date, these are the things that I have to say, like, I have to do. Okay, so I have to wash my hair. Yeah. So count, uh, and then do it. You know, drying it with a hair dryer because yeah. I have big hair. Yeah. And then straightening it. So that's an hour and a half. Yeah. And I also, because I, I, I'm saying, oh, my skin looks horrible. So I need to do a, a scrub and mm -hmm. then a mask. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking, I have to go and do my nails mm -hmm. because... I know probably the guy won't care. Maybe he would care, but I, you know, I care actually. Yeah. You know, it makes me feel good to have pretty nails. Mm -hmm. So I have to do my nails, and then oh, uh, the weather is nice outside, so probably I want to wear a dress. Mm -hmm. Okay, that means I will have to shave my legs. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so you know, if you put all of that, it takes like four hours minimum. Yep. Like, we have to do all of the things, everyone. <laughs> all of them. Is it, it is just us? <laughs> No, I think that it's, I don't know. Is it? No. No. Oh, because wait, because once you're done showering, you also have to moisturize. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you know, moisturizing takes the longest time in the it. history of the planet. And I'm forever looking for a moisturizer that has like a pump dispensable, but doesn't smell like talcum powder or like <laughs> some awful smell because you buy like the standard ones uh -huh. in the pharmacy. And you also want it to dry really quickly because, yes. you know, you have to put them on and then you have to wait for it to dry because I'm those kind of person who cannot wear something if I'm kind of sticky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you know, like recently with my skin, like uh, since um, I've been having like a lot of problems with my skin mm -hmm. recently because of the PCOS and everything, I've, I have this new routine that I started, of course, based on not dermatological advice, but mostly YouTube tutorials mm -hmm. where... Um, I've actually seen a big difference since I started using virgin coconut oil. Okay. I, okay, this, this is a thing. Like growing up, coconut oil is a big thing back home. Mm -hmm. My grandma used it in my hair. They said that they would all, my grandma would put it in my hair and it would stink. It would stink of coconut. And like she would say, oh, you make your hair grow and it's really good for you. Uh, my, I don't know, my dad would put it sometimes in things, so cooking and everything. And I would be like, oh my God, like I don't like the smell of it. And mm -hmm. I have this like, I, I, I develop kind of an aversion to it at yeah. some point. And then I come back and, I, and 20 years later, like me being an adult and staying in Paris and seeing all these tutorials and everything. It's funny how now I started, actually my mom was visiting and mm -hmm. she was, you know, with menopause and everything. So she started having these dark patches on her skin. Yeah. 
And she she was here for a month and a half, and then she used coconut oil every day, morning and uh, evening. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, everything went away. And I just looked at her face after a month. I was like, Mom, there's something different. Like you don't have any dark patches anymore. And she's like, Yeah. And I'm like, What are you using? And she's like, Well, you know, organic coconut oil. Coconut oil. So I said, you know, let me just try it. And I tried it consistently every day for like a month. Mm -hmm. And I think as from week two, I started to see a big difference. Really? Yeah. I mean, all uh, like my acne like was practically gone. Yeah, it was in like the, life changing for evening, me. In the morning and evening, or just just the evening, because yeah. you know I would go to work, I would yeah. be wearing during the day. So actually, it was my nightly routine. I would come home, like get a shower, take my makeup off, mm-hmm. and before I go to bed, I would just put like um, coconut oil, but only on the spots. And that is very tricky because you know I have my hair, mm-hmm. so I don't want it to get in greasy. So it's like you know I have to sleep in a very specific way <laughs> or take my, all of my hair away. It's like you know you have to get it's around. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. But it really helped me. So I, I started putting it by week two. Uh, practically all of my acne diminished. Like wow. Yeah. And then in like a month and a month and a half, I like most of my scars were gone, and it's so crazy. I didn't do anything else. I didn't change anything in my lifestyle. My, you know, it's really the coconut oil. Maybe it's a placebo effect, but it really worked. Um, and then I started watching these YouTube tutorials. Now I'm having like, oh my God, this big routine in the morning, mm-hmm. which I've stopped for a while now. But, you know, it's, I'm using the ordinary products. Yeah. Because I think like I'm not nourishing my skin enough. So I need to put vitamin C and mm-hmm. like all these serums and blah, blah, blah. Which ones do you use? Okay, so um, I have, so I start, I wash my face, and, you know, in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then I would use a serum. It's an alpha albutin serum. Yeah. And then I would put on a, a caffeine infused something. I could show it to you yeah. on my eye uh, area. Mm-hmm. And then I would put a magnesium ascorbyl kind of serum, which is like full of vitamin C and magnesium. Mm-hmm. And then I would put on my uh, another serum called Buffet, okay. which is full of caffeine. How many serums are you using? Well, I'm using four. Okay. And then I would put on my moisturizer. Yeah. And then I would put on my um, sunscreen. Mm-hmm. And then I would put on my concealer and then my uh, foundation. Damn. I mean, it's the first few days was so complicated because I didn't anticipate how much time it would take yeah. because in between you have to let it dry Dry and absorb yeah and it's so exhausting i mean i know it sounds a lot is but it worth once it? well i i would like to think it's it's doing like it's bringing a difference i mean yeah. it's, it's really different when i used uh, since i started using the magnesium uh, scoble thing mm-hmm. uh because when as soon as you put it on it really gives you like an orange tint to your skin okay but it's like it's a good tint it's more of a glowy okay or like it gives life to your face and like you know if you have tired if you're very tired and your skin looks kind of saggy it just boosts it up a little mm-hmm. bit probably possible again but you know you never know yeah but i i i've been doing this now for um i don't know i started two months ago and i, I was away on holiday so i didn't really do it now yeah. I'm, start, I'm getting back to my routine uh but i i would like to think it's you know it's bring it like it's making a difference because mm-hmm. my acne you know is practically gone yeah and then at night i would uh what i would do is i would alternate between some nights using coconut oil and mm-hmm. some nights using whole the, yeah. rose hip seed oil oh, okay. yeah because it's supposed to have a lot of benefits yeah 
um I mean, I haven't, but I did use it on my hands as well because, like, when we change seasons, my hand get re my hands get really dry, yeah, and it really soothes the skin and it mm. takes all the dryness away without being too greasy, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a good one for scarring and redness. Right, that's what I read about. That's yeah. why I used to put it on my face, and maybe yeah. that helped as well. But you know, when I went back home for holidays and I told my mom that I was using the coconut oil and even my cousins, because we, you know, they, they've known me and they do have the same acne problem as me. And then they've mm -hmm. seen a big difference. And I said, you know, it's just basic because the coconut oil actually did all the work. And then mm -hmm. when I told that, they were like, no, I'm sure you must be hiding yeah. whatever you're using. No, it's just, it's just that. So do you try to, I mean, you're using these serums, but do you try to look for things that are more natural or do you not mind? Like you're go for I, I actually don't mind okay like I actually thought at some point that I have to uh, use more natural products I mean I understand the concept and I think it's a very good thing and it's better for your skin and of course if you're using lots of chemicals and lots of products that's not really good for you because yeah. you know, I watched a documentary once that said you know you're putting five products and then you know they have like you adding zero plus zero plus zero but then it becomes seven in the end because you can't anticipate the reaction that all of these serums are mm. doing with themselves mm -hmm. so this is something i'm wary about yeah but i'm still taking the risk mm -hmm. because i'm thinking you know i should take care of my skin more i'm not getting any yeah. younger you know you should probably start now so for the time being and because it costs expensive as well to yeah. use like organic natural based product and then you have to have time to go look for things that fit your skin and mm -hmm. do a test and learn i just want to like stick to the routine that I've had yeah. for a while, see the difference, and then, you know, I'll probably change it later, but for right now, it's working for me. Mm. And what about makeup? What kind of makeup do you... Okay, for me, the fundamental thing I would never get out of the house without is my foundation. Okay, because, uh Well, it, I actually changed. It's, ah. Yeah, it's Too Faced now. Damn! Yeah, and it's... Um, it was right here. Where is the it? powder. Right. Uh, no, it's the foundation is in the small pocket. We're actually at home. We're going to open up the makeup. Let's see. So I actually went to Sephora before going to back home to Mauritius. And um, she tried this one of me. It's it's Bone This Way by Too Faced. Yeah. And I used the honey one. Mm -hmm. It really, I think it's got great coverage. Yeah. Or and is it medium? It's, or heavy? Medium to full? It's medium, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's got great coverage because I actually tried the Fenty one, but I thought it was, it looked great at night, but during the day it looked too, um, it was too strong. Yeah. You know, and it d did look cakey at some point, but mm -hmm. that may be also my skin. But Born This Way by Too Faced, honey, it's it really, I really love this. Okay. So, the Born <laughs> This Way foundation. Right. Um, and and I once you put that on, what happens? Well, I actually start by using you my... You still have that? I do. Oh it's my God. really good. It's really good. We bought it at Sephora last year. Was it last year? I think so. I think so. Dior, Dior Skin Forever Undercover Concealer. Right. What was the number? 50. 50, yeah. So I actually use it as my under eye um, concealer and it really works. Like I really like it because it's, it's very natural. Uh, but when I went to Sephora and tried on the two-faced um, two uh, concealer, they actually get um, foundation. They actually gave me a concealer to go with it, which I bought. Yeah. But I haven't used it yet because I'm waiting for the Dior one to finish. To run out, yeah. So, so I put on my concealer and then I would probably line my eyes. Either it depends on the days when I have time, I will do like the full-on um, top liner. Okay. Or if I don't have time, then we we'll just put the. Um, I would just um, do my um, waterline. Yeah, in black. In black, yeah, okay. always in black. Uh, I don't like to ex 
to experiment about color, okay. especially you know if you're going to work. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I I, I realize because I have big eyes, and I realize like when I'm tired and I don't put on the, you know the the if I don't even color my waterline, like I look tired. And then I would put on my mascara. Oh my god, mascara! I love mascara. I found this <laughs> mascara. It's like the best one ever. It's Too Faced again, better, better than, than sex. sex. Yeah, okay. And it's like the best thing ever. Well, this one, I think it's a bit like... Uh, this one is a, like a bit of a cult product. Or it's. Um... Yeah, I think a lot of people talk about it on, mm -hmm. on social media, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then I wear my mascara and then I would put on my concealer and then powder, mm -hmm. which is again Too Faced. You went to Sephora and yeah. just like sell me all of the things. <laughs> I know that this is what happened. And it's the first time I'm actually using a um, powder because before you won. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. poudre libre, like a free powder. I don't know if you say it, free powder. I don't know how you, I don't know how to call it in English. Uh, it's um, not like a compact thing. No, I know what you mean. Uh, Maybe it's written uh, on the loose on the, powder. Loose powder. Thank Bloody you. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> And then I put that on it and... It smells good. Yeah. It smells like peachy. What is... It? Wait, this is... I'm imagining this is for all skin tones because it's like a kind of... Oh, uh, no. They have like, I think, well, two or three ones? tones. Yeah. Okay. Because it can... If you don't take the right color, it can look kind of like wettish. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, it would it would be two-toned. I mean, you can't see it on me. Maybe it works for you as well. Whatever. It smells good. Yeah, and that's it. Um, That's my daily... That's how I do. Sometimes if my eyebrows are too much, I would just like put on some gel just to make sure it stays the clear in place. Gel. Yeah. I still have that as well. I do as well. I need to get another one because now it's gone like a weird color. So, um, maybe last question. Mm. When do you feel your best, perhaps? And that can be in any sense of the word. Mm. I think it's when I'm with people I like whose company I enjoy mm -hmm. and like we're having this uh, great conversation like great conversation really makes me feel good mm -hmm. like like right now like we just spent before this we, we started like doing the podcast we were out brunching and we you know talking about real stuff mm -hmm. but at the same time being able to be light and and make jokes and mm -hmm. you know uh, like you know just being ourselves so yeah, that's when I feel beautiful. It's it's well beautiful and, and good with myself. You yeah. Know, when I really am with people who I enjoy mm -hmm. being with, who makes me laugh, or with whom we have like substantial like good conversation. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be talking about smart things. You know, we don't yeah. have to. It's just about true things. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. You can discover Yogini's writing at musings of a brown woman with an underscore in between each word, or you can follow her personal page at Igini, spelt I-G-I-N-E-E. -E. Now, I asked Yogini whether she would recommend any books or resources as a starting point for exploring the conversation around identity. Here are a few of her suggestions, if that's something that you want to look into further. The first is a book called The Rape of Sita by Lindsay Collin. The second is Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. And the third is a book called A Grain of Wheat by Ngugi Wa Tiongo. And I've written those all up in 
the description box of the episode. Feel free to reach out with any other suggestions that you might have yourself and I can of course also add those to the show notes. As always, you can find more of me over on Instagram at Witterfresh, spelt as it sounds. So until next time, take care.